We are in the season leading up to Christmas called Advent. Now the word Advent, many of you probably know, is it's all about, it means anticipation. It means waiting. It's all about this countdown, if you will. And our kids are counting down, aren't they? They're counting down. How many days do we have? Five. Five days until Christmas. And uh, that's what Advent's all about. It's this, this waiting and, and hoping and looking and, and all of these different ways. And uh, for the most part, uh, I don't know if we like waiting so much. Uh, there are some things we do like to wait for. Uh, for example, uh, you know, we like waiting for uh, movies to come out. Uh, I don't know if you are one of these people, but some people have circled this date on the calendar for a long time, and they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and got their tickets early and have watched over and over again the, the movies that proceeded and just for this weekend and, and, and even dressed up, I think. Uh, I'm excited about seeing it, but it's going to be a great movie. Uh, it's uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, <laughs> The Road Chip. I hear that Alvin might get a hula hoop in this one. Um, how many of you have seen Star Wars? Yeah? Uh, you know, I could be like this. I, I got to see it uh, two nights ago. Spoiler alert. Here it is. Luke grows a beard. Uh, so there it is. I hate to ruin it for you. But uh, we, we put things on our calendar. We look forward to them. There's anticipation. TV shows. You can't wait to see the finale. And there's this excitement that's building. I don't know if it's The Bachelor or The Voice or American Idol. It's just like there's this buildup. And you, you, you're, you enjoy the buildup. You enjoy the excitement. And I think it's true for sports, too. A lot of us have had to be at various places for sporting events that we really care about. And so we text everyone we know. We call everyone we know. We say, we're DVRing this event. Do not tell me what happens. Because you know what? You can find out the result and ruin everything. The, the joy of it is in the watching and the buildup and the, the being a part of it. I could tell you right now that the Texans are going to beat the Colts this afternoon. Yes. That is not from the Lord, but we would enjoy it even more if we could watch it, enjoy it, and in the middle of it, text our friends like Doug and say, ha ha, eat it, Colts fan. <laughs> now, two weeks from now, if I tell you, oh yeah, by the way, two weeks ago, we beat the Colts, that's great, but we weren't a part of it, you know? So there's a waiting, there's a, there's a joy in that waiting. There's a, there's a joy in waiting for a, a wedding or even a baby to come, the anticipation for that and the planning there. But for the most part, let's be honest, we hate waiting. It's just not in us. We hate it. I was in an airplane a couple weeks ago, and uh, the guy comes on the plane, the, the intercom, and says, Hello, we're out on the tarmac, and uh, we've got some difficulties, and we're going to be out here for 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, just here in the non-air conditioning, and the not, you cannot use your phone zone uh, if you've been there before. And the person turned beside me and said, wow, what an amazing chance for us to get some more rest and talk to God as we sit here on the tarmac. That did not happen, all right? When you're this scene here, and you're waiting for the doctor, and you've made an appointment, okay? You've made an appointment, and you're there early. And then an hour later, I was there on time, okay? Or you're in traffic, and you're just, come on. I can't believe holiday traffic is the way it is. If you are anywhere near, uh, what is it, Spring Cypress Road, that exit that's there, you're just going to be there forever this time of year. It just... 
That's just the way that it is. We can't stand waiting. When I go to the grocery store, this is insight into me. The grocery store, or I go shopping, or anywhere you have a line to check out in, and there's multiple options. I scan the scene, and I do this in traffic too, and I make a decision, okay, what's going to be the fastest lane, okay? I'm even checking out the checker person. I'm not checking them out. I'm just watching them. I was like, is that an arthritic hand? Is that a little slower? I'm going to go to this lane. And, you, and I'm looking at the other lanes while I'm in the lane that I'm in because I want to know if I made the right decision, okay, if I chose correctly. But we, we hate, hate, hate waiting. We hate waiting so much. Amazon Prime, did you see this? One hour now. You order something an hour. Before you know it, there are going to be drones that are just hovering over us. You're going to push by, and it's just going to drop on your head. Like, it's just going to be there. It's from the sky, manna from heaven, from Amazon. And uh, we just don't like it. And uh, the truth be told today, uh, there are a lot of us that are in the waiting room of life. Uh, maybe, maybe all of us are waiting for something today. Waiting for Christmas, yes, but there are other things that you're waiting on. Waiting on the deal to come through. Waiting on a house to sell that really needs to sell. Waiting on a problem to be solved in your life that just seems to hover over you. Or maybe a storm that you're in the middle of and you just, are we ever going to be out of this thing? Or maybe you're a parent in a house today and you're waiting for a son or daughter to come home. They may be physically around you, but they're very distant right now. Maybe distant from God. And you're waiting, and you're hoping, and you're praying that they will, they'll come home. Or maybe it's even a, a spouse, that there's a, a distance that's there. And you are praying for a marriage miracle today. And you're waiting, and you're hoping. Or maybe your spouse has really been distant from God, and you're just hoping that God would speak to them maybe during this season, and you're waiting for that. Or, or a doctor, waiting for that phone call. What's the news going to be? We're thinking about Eddie and and Yana today, and I was with them in the waiting room. You know, what's going to happen in the next few days? Hoping and praying. And you've been there in those tense-filled moments, waiting. I, I drove in this morning, and this was in my, my spot uh, that I, I usually park way over here, and I found this in the, the place. And it was obvious that these were filled with helium, and someone let them go at some point, and they just happened to drift into my parking spot this morning. And these were the little notes that were on there. I can't make out everything because you can tell the rain's got to them, but it just says, uh, I think Sheely loves you, and Laura, your baby brother, or Lorik, your baby brother too. Tanya is still your big sis and your little big sis, and Cambia, is, it has a, she has a new boyfriend, Joseph. We love you. We wish that you were here, but we know that heaven is better. The other note says, baby Pat. We all love and cherish even the small, precious moments we had with you. Daddy loves you. Can't wait to hold you in my arms. Some of us are waiting to see loved ones again. Waiting for that one day that we'll get to see people that we care about so much and that we've lost. Others are waiting for, you know, it just seems like babies are happening everywhere. <laughs> when is it going to be my turn to have a baby? I'm not saying that, Lord, by the way. <laughs> Don't drink the water. Uh, but in all seriousness, people are waiting for, we, we want to be pregnant. We want to have a child. Waiting and hoping there. Or maybe waiting and hoping for that one, the one. You know about the one, all right? 
or even in engagements this holiday season. Maybe someone's waiting for that. Maybe we have students today that are, are hoping and waiting for the future and not knowing what it is to come, waiting and hoping that parents will get back together, waiting on a job. Everybody in this room, as you look down the aisles, somebody's probably waiting for something. Maybe you're waiting for something, too. Maybe you're waiting for me to get rid of this list and stop saying all of these things because I'm going to say the thing that you're waiting for uh, today. The people of God, they, they know about waiting. You know, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this, but there was a time where thousands of years went by where there was this prophecy, this promise, this hope, this waiting for the Messiah to come. And if, you, just, if you're bored, just Google prophecies about Messiah in the Old Testament. And there are over 300 different ways and places where they said, there is going to be a Savior. He is going to come. This is over thousands of years. He is coming. The Messiah is coming. He's coming. In various places, you can see it in places like Jeremiah 23, 5, where it says, For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. We heard it earlier in Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, are only a small village. This is foreshadowing foreshadowing before Bethlehem. The government will rest on his shoulders, or this is the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come for you on my behalf. And then Isaiah 9, 6, for, us, for unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, you know these words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and everything was pointing, and everything was building up anticipation and waiting. And in the midst of this, there was this 400 years of, from, from Malachi or Malachi, whatever the way you want to say it there, to Matthew. There's this 400 years of silence that the people kind of perceived that God hadn't spoken to them. But God was still present, waiting and hoping for this Messiah to come. I wonder if anyone said words like this. Has God forgotten about me? Has God forgotten about us? Is he going to keep his promise that he made to us? Does God even care about us? And that's where we are today in Luke chapter 1. So if you flip your, over to your Bible, Luke chapter 1, it's a familiar story. There was this girl. Her name was Mary. And finally, the promise was answered. An angel showed up one day to this young girl. And we're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and uh, Mary was engaged to this guy named Joseph. You know this story, when an angel visited her. And of course, when the angel arrived, what is she? She's scared to death. And the angel says, don't be afraid, as all angels say, when, someone, when one shows up and we are scared to death. The Lord is with you. And she, he begins to tell her about this plan. You're going to conceive a son. And his name is going to be Jesus. And he's going to save his people from their sins. And then he adds this in there. Your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant in these days. She was said to be barren, but she is going to have a child as well. Now, this is the, the last verse there. And I love this ending for the angel to, to say these words. This is the NLT version. It says this, for the word of God will never fail. Can you repeat that with me? For the word of God will never fail. That's the words that the angel leaves Mary with. 
God's word will not fail. That's what was in her, her ears, in her head, in her heart as the angel disappears. I heard this great in, in, in engagement story uh, from a friend. This guy, uh, he gets his, his, his uh, girlfriend, and he's got this big plan, and he, he gets her into his car, and they, they take a drive. He's like, we're going to go on a trip. And he takes a drive, and they go out to this, this beautiful lake. And at the lake, there is a, a, a ski boat waiting for them. He jumps in the ski boat, and he drives this girl uh, across the, the little lake area into a small island that's there. And on the island, there is a beautiful uh, lunch picnic that's set up for her. And this is amazing, uh, scenic place. And they have this picnic lunch there. And they get back in the, jet, the uh, ski boat, and they head back to shore. And on the shore is a limousine waiting for them. So now she's starting to pick up on, okay, something's happening here, okay? They get into a limousine, and they drive to a small airport where a little private plane uh, takes them uh, about an hour's journey, and they land on a grass airstrip. And on this grass airstrip, they, they come out, and they get into this old, beat-up, uh, we call it just a, a piece uh, car, it's just a piece of junk, and uh, get in this piece of junk truck, and they go to this small private college chapel, and they go into this chapel, and there are rose petals all around, and there are candles, and all the girls are, oh. there's, there's candles that are lining the, the aisle there, and at the, the front of the church, there's this giant card, and it, she opens it up, and it says, will you? And he, she turns around and looks back, and he's one, on one knee and has the ring in hand. And she says, yes. And everybody in the room, uh, you know, guys are saying, you're turning to, like I have felt this week, turning to your, your spouse and saying, I am so sorry that I wasn't as cool or creative or because our stories, most of us, they don't look like those. And there's just the bonus portion of the day. If you are single in the room, or even if you're 10, 20, 30 years away from this possibility, there are two things that girls will remember or will be asked, and they're the most important thing in the world. When someone is engaged, or they get engaged, for whatever reason, girls want to see the ring, okay? Can I see the ring, okay? That's important, and uh, for, for whatever reason, I think it's a little strange that you would ask to see somebody's ring. That's like... Can I put my hand on your belly when you're pregnant? Just kind of an awkward thing. Guys, I wouldn't do that, but it happens. So can I see the ring and can I hear the story? I want to hear the story. So this is important, guys. If you're in the room and you're thinking about this, no pressure for the holiday seasons, but get a story, okay? Because if your story is like she loves Chewies and I put the ring in like a, the creamy jalapeno sauce and... <laughs> Because she loves that so much, and she chokes on it, and we went to the hospital, and then we got the ring in another way. You have to tell that story. <laughs> you have to tell that story over and over and over and over and over again, okay? So the story is important. Now, here's the kicker to this. After the engagement, after she says yes, after all this happens, they go to lunch together or go to dinner together at a nice place. And he says this, all right, we went in various vehicles today. Now, the first one, they actually each represent something. The car that I picked you up, my car, represents the just every days of our life and our marriage to come. And I promise you, during those days, this, this, and this. 
And then he said, you know, there are going to be days that are going to be unbelievable days, days that we're going to just, there's going to be fun and excitement. And that's the, the, the jet boat, the ski boat there. That represents the, just the exciting days. And I promise you during those days, this, this, this. And then the, the, the limousine. I mean, we're going to be, there are going to be times where we're going to be blessed. God's going to bless us. And during those days, I promise you this and this. And then the plane, it represents our, our spiritual journey together. Yeah. I can't believe there is a person out here that would come up with this. This is a true story. And you just want to like find this guy and throw rocks at his house. But <laughs> this is represents our spiritual journey. And although there are bumps along the way, you know, God is going to take us higher and higher toward him. And, that, and during that time, I make promises to you this, this, and this. And then, of course, that truck, that old beat-up truck, represents the difficult days, the days that it won't be easy, the days that will be hard, and the days that are just no good. And, and I make these promises to you. Now, this is a beautiful, ah, story. But what if he doesn't keep those promises? Lip service is really easy, isn't it? Life service is very different. What if he doesn't even try? What if he puts other commitments in front of those promises? And resentment builds and brokenness builds. Have you ever had someone break a promise to you? They've made you a promise and they've broken it. They've, they've put something else in front of the appointment or something else was more important or they forgot or they reprioritized their life. Maybe this is a tougher question. Have you ever broken a promise before? There's nothing worse to hear. And I've heard these words before, and, it, and I'm not happy to say it, but I've heard the words, but Daddy, you promised. It breaks your heart. There uh, is these things that we, we experience in our lives, they, they, they cause us to personify God for us. Well, if we break promises, and if I've broken promises, well, I wonder if God breaks promises I wonder if God does this. And while we are waiting, and we're all waiting, while we are waiting today, I have a, a great hope and a truth for you today. And I want you to remember this. God does not break his promises. He keeps his promises. Why? The word of God does not fail. It does not fail. He's been making promises from the very beginning, and he's kept every single one of those promises. Philippians 4.19. If today you're thinking, God, I just need you to, just to provide. There's some things that we need provision in our lives. Philippians 4.19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. If you're stressed and tired today, Matthew 11.28, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you need direction today, if your life, you feel like you're just directionless and out of control, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. When temptation is all around you and you feel like that you cannot say no, that you cannot walk away, that, that I just can't, God has given us a promise, no temptation. There's nothing out there that has seized you but what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but you, when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. And that has helped me time and time again when the, the enemy has been there trying to pull me a certain direction. Today, if you are trying to make a tough decision, James 1 through 5, if you lack wisdom, 
You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If today you are feeling a sense of mourning and loneliness, the psalmist tells us this promise. Or Isaiah tells us in 34 this, the Lord is close to the broken heart. If you're feeling brokenhearted today, I believe God is even closer to you than, than others. So in this waiting, remember that God makes and he keeps promises. And so when Mary gets this word from this angel, and suddenly she finds out that she's going to be the mother of, of the Messiah, the Savior, the promised one, I, just think about the, just the reaction of that. The, the, what is she thinking? What, what's going on in her head? And before she knows it, she's in the waiting room because who knows how long it's going to be? Is it, am, I, am I pregnant now? I mean, is it going to be nine months? Is it, you know, there's stories back in the Old Testament where God made a promise of a, of a child, but then it was, it took a while. You know, so am I, how long am I going to be waiting for this promise? And then she remembers. She remembers someone. And that's where we pick it up. And if you're going to read this in Luke 139 through 45, it says this. It's on the screen for you. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Now, keep, this, keep in mind, this is not like around the block. This is about 80 miles away. And she goes to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a, a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed us above all women, blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. He would do what he said. So Mary leaves this, this the, and we, it says a few days. We don't know exactly how long that was, but you know, she, she basically gets this visit from an angel, and then she makes this journey. 80 miles. What happens when you're, you're alone and you're walking, and you're kind of in your, your, your head voice? I don't know about you, but I start to play the what if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? There's a game called Worst Case Scenario. Have you ever seen it before? It's basically the what if game played out. What if a shark attacks? Uh, what if I'm playing golf and I'm near the water and an alligator grabs my leg? What should I, does I run in a Z? That's what they tell you to do. Or should I try to hit the shot because I don't want to get penalized for that? Or what should, if my tie gets caught in the garbage disposal, what do I do in these moments? And there's these times, and maybe you're in the waiting right now, and you're saying, what if? What if this? What if that? And questions begin to swirl in our minds, don't they? I wonder if Mary had questions. What if, the, what if I made this up? What if I ate some, I don't know, bad something last night, and I just had an hallucination? And or what if my parents disown me? What if Joseph leaves me? What if the alternative to that is he accuses me of something? What if they call me names like whore? What if? What if? And in this journey there, but in the middle of the questions and in the middle of the waiting, what does she do? She goes and visits Elizabeth. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I think she did this. This is just me trying to interject and kind of put myself in her shoes. I think the first question, is, the first reason is because she was looking for confirmation. She, she heard this part about Elizabeth. 
Elizabeth's going to have a child as well. Well, if she's going to have a child as well, let me go and see and, and see if this is, this is true. And some of the best moments of life is when God confirms his promises to us. And maybe you've had a God moment like that, where God has, has spoken to you and, and said to you, I am with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. I, I've told the story before, but I, I think about in this moment, uh, several years ago, we were going through a couple of hurricanes in Florida. And uh, one major hurricane came through, and you guys know about hurricanes, and there was all kinds of damage and all kinds of things that were happening, and we were in a house just close into this house, hoping and praying that the hurricane would pass. And we come out, and electricity's out for weeks, and uh, people lost their homes, and, and some people lost their lives. And so we went through that first one. Another one came through in the same area that we lived in, the same spot. And we said, this time, we're out of here, okay? Uh, so we head up the road to South Carolina, where I, the church that I grew up at. And I'm there on that Sunday, and the hurricane is basically happening while we're in church. And I'm just playing the what-if game. What if we go back and there's, there's nothing there? What if my friends are going, what are they going through right now? What if they lose things? What, if, what about the church? What if, and all these things were swirling. And as I'm praying and I'm thinking about these things and just the anxiety is there, we had kind of the meet and greet time like we, we have here. And this guy comes up to me. And I, I don't think he knew the situation, but he just comes up and, and, and he, he gives me the handshake. And this handshake was a, it was a big guy and it was a firm handshake, but I noticed there was something different. There was something in his hand. And I could feel something there. And I, and I open it up as I go to sit down, and it's a $100 bill. Now, in that moment, I wish I could tell you there was a $100 something that we needed, but it was just like the handshake of God that day that I will provide. I will provide for your every need. And there it was. I don't know if you've ever gotten confirmation like that, but she was looking for confirmation. I think she was also looking for a voice in her life. When you're in the waiting room, Whose voice do you turn to when you have questions that are swirling? Whose voice do you, do you seek when you need answers? Is it, a, is it a good voice? Is it a bad voice? Is it someone, as you look back on your life, have you ever turned to the wrong voice before? And maybe in these moments that are not easy moments, people have told you, you know what, just, just try to forget about it. Try to, to drink this or go there or take this and let's just get it out of our minds and just numb everything. And that was the wrong direction. How do you know it's the good direction, the right direction? I think this verse uh, in, in Luke kind of gives us a, a, a clue there when it says this, a Luke 1.6, Elizabeth was righteous in the sight of God, carefully obeying the law, carefully obeying God's laws and regulations. So what does Elizabeth do when she comes? She was exactly in line with the angel, what the angel said. She was exactly together with the word of God said. And when someone is, is lined up to what God's spirit says in our life, this is the voice that we need to seek in our lives. This is the one that's going to point us the right direction. In uh, the book of, of uh, John, he begins to, uh, Jesus is with his disciples and this is right before the crucifixion. This is right before we get into to Holy Week and all the events leading up to the cross. And God knows, or Jesus knows, what's ahead. And he knows what's ahead for his disciples. And he tells them words about the Holy Spirit and about this advocate that's coming. 
And in John uh, 16, it says this, but the time is coming, and he's talking to his disciples. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. He's predicting what's going to happen when, the, when the, 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 the people come for him to arrest him. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have trials and you will have sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, this is the portion of the the day that no one wants to hear. There's no amens on the there's going to be trials and there's going to be sorrows, but God's word is true. He He doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't say, okay, if you follow me, you're going to have riches and you're going to have no worries and you're going to have no problems. He tells us exactly the way it's going to be. There are going to be trials in this world. There are going to be sorrows. There are going to be difficult days. Back to the engagement guy. He's got a lot of lip service about what's ahead, promises to come, but he doesn't know what's ahead. He doesn't know what's going to happen in your 20 of marriage or your 30 of marriage and the things that are coming up. He doesn't know, but God does know. When he, when Jesus was shaking the hand and he's praying with and saying, peace be with you. The spirit is going to be with you. You're going to have this. He's looking them eye to eye. And when he looks into their eyes, he knows what the future holds for each one of them and for us. And he still can say in those words, I will be with you. You will have peace in the trials. He knows what's ahead. Have you, I love the movie Shawshank Redemption. It's on this time of year a lot. It's the TBS version I, I care for. It's the one I've seen. It's a tough movie to watch. There's some hard parts in it. But you know what? I know at the very end of that movie, Andy Dufresne gets out of prison, and he goes through that hole, and he comes out, woo, and he ends up in paradise. And it makes the movie easier to take, even though there are some moments that I'm very tense in. There are some difficult moments in the movie. There's difficult moments in the life, in our lives. But in the end, God knows. God knows. There is uh, another verse in, in John 14. It's right before, and it says this. It says, this gift, he tells us, he's got a gift for us. I love gifts. I'm leaving you a gift. And this gift, in the middle of the waiting room of life, is peace of mind and heart. And the peace, catch this, I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I will be with you, this gift of peace that's there. There's a story that I heard recently that I'd never heard before. Uh, it's from a couple of years ago, uh, an event that happened. I think it was probably three years now ago. There was a couple named Ronnie and Anita Smith. Um, and uh, they were from Austin, and uh, one day they were in church, just like we are today, and they felt the Lord's calling on their life, and this calling to go to Libya, to go to this place called Benghazi. Maybe you've heard of it before. This is before the, the attack on the U.S. consulate, and basically they went with the mission to share the love of Jesus Christ with the people of Libya to share this hope and peace that comes with knowing Jesus. And even though the region was is a very volatile place, as we know, they felt God's call on their life. 
But something unfortunate happened. Uh, during that time, Ronnie, uh, Anita went back home with their, their young boy for Christmas. But Ronnie stayed. And uh, something uh, unfortunate happened as he was running one morning. Some, some terrorists came by or someone that just out for, for something awful came by and they, they shot him as he was running. And uh, a couple of weeks afterwards, CBS did a, a story with his, his wife, Anita, and this is the, the video from that. I can't get this uh, story out of my mind this week. I looked up the, the actual letter she wrote, and you can find it uh, on the internet. And she says this. There's several parts to it, but two parts in, in particular right now. So she says to his attackers, I love you and I forgive you. How could I not? For Jesus taught us to love our enemies, not to kill them or seek revenge. Jesus sacrificed his life out of love for the very people who killed him, as well as us for us today. His death and his resurrection opened the door for us to walk on the straight path to God in peace and in forgiveness. Because of what Jesus did, Ronnie is with Jesus in paradise now. Jesus did not come only to take us to paradise when we die, but also to bring peace and healing on this earth. Ronnie loved you because God loves you. Ronnie loved you because God loved him. Not because Ronnie was so great, but because God is so great. To the Libyan people, I always expected that God would give us a heart to love you, but I never expect you to love us so much. We came to bless you, but you have blessed us much more. Thank you. Thank you for your support and love for Ronnie and our son, Hosea, and me. Since Ronnie's death, my love for you has increased in ways that I never imagined. I feel closer to you now than ever before. I hear people speaking with hate and anger and blame of Ronnie's death, but that's not what Ronnie would want. Ronnie would want, us, want his death to be an opportunity for us to show one another love and forgiveness because that's what God has shown us. I want all of you all of the people of Libya, to know I am praying for the peace and prosperity of Libya. May Ronnie's blood shed on Libyan soil encourage peace and reconciliation between the Libyan people and God. Sincerely, Anita Smith. These sounds, this, this sounds like words that we hear from the Apostle Paul. God has not counted your sins against you. He has come into the world not to condemn us, but to save us and to reconcile our relationship with God and with each other. How can she say that in those moments? How can she say that? Because God was present with her, and she realized and believed and, and has opened up this gift of peace, and not just peace in this world, but eternal peace as well. We don't just live for the 75 or the 85 or the 25 years that we have, but we have the promise of eternity because Jesus made this promise, I am coming again. There is an eternal place that we will go when we leave this earth. Garen, if you'd come up and play, as I think about this, this situation, as I think about, about everything, about the, the waiting room, about the places, the questions that we ask, and I think about Anita Smith. As the camera is, is on her and during this interview, how can she say those words? Because our God, he is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. He promised that a Messiah would come. 
and he would save his people from their sins. And he came. He promised that he would die in our place. And even though we were the ones that sinned and we were the ones that did the wrong, that he would take the wrong on him. And not only would he die, but he'd be raised to life in victory. And guess what? He did. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come to us. And in the middle of life's hardest moments, when the questions are all around and you don't know what's going to happen next, that he's given us a counselor that will bear witness to our spirit and he will tell us that I am with you and I'm close to the brokenhearted. And guess what? The Spirit came and he is in us. And he promised that he is going to come back again and he is going to make everything that is wrong in this world and everything that's broken in this world and all the chaos is going to be fixed and restored and reconciled and peace is going to come and that is going to happen. He promised that he is going to come again and every promise that he's ever made has happened. He's kept his promise and he'll keep his promise today. And I gotta ask you this, wherever you are today in the waiting room, whatever you're waiting on, do you have peace in your heart? Have you opened the gift that God has given to you, to us? Maybe there's something today that you're saying, I don't have peace, and I do have questions, and I know God's promises, but I have, I just am having a hard time remembering those right now. Maybe today, I just invite you to stand with me. Maybe today you need to just come, and there's places that you can come. Everyone just stand with me. There's places all around here. There's a stage, there's altars, there's a waiting room, if you will, that you need, maybe you just want to come down and you need to say, God, I need to remember today. I need to remember and believe your promises that you are with me, and I need to seek your peace. Or maybe today you're saying, I am very distant from God. I don't have peace in my heart. There's things that are unsettled that I, quite honestly, I need to confess to God. Maybe you're entering a period of your life where the future is unknown. A move is happening. You you're, don't know what's going to happen when you go to college. Kids, and there's just doubt and worry, and you need God's peace today. Just invite you today as, as Garen plays. Uh, and I would also invite you to pray for folks that are really in the waiting room physically this morning. Eddie and Yana, would you pray for them this morning? Let's seek God's peace this morning. Garen's going to play, and I just invite you to, to come and find a spot where you can spend time with the Lord.